Hello and welcome back to Inside Voice. I'm your host, James Poulter. This is the podcast that goes behind the scenes with the people that are making the show Voice Summit happening in July at Newark. If you want to find out more about that, you can go to voicesummit.ai. And in this episode, I speak to one of our upcoming guests at the conference, Kat Zidane from Zandra. They are the team behind a number of famous Alexa skills that you may have tried, including those for HBO, such as Westworld's The Maze. So if you want to go check that out, we highly recommend it. In this episode, Kat and I caught up at the Alexa conference that happened a couple of weeks ago in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so during the course of this episode, we got into what is it like to actually record original voice audio? What is the power of doing that? And is there a quality coming to the voice industry when it comes to gender? All of that coming up in this episode. If you want to connect with us, you can do that on all social media. Just go look for Voice Summit AI. And don't forget, you can now submit your talk suggestions for this year's summit in July in Newark over on voicesummit.ai. Just head to the website and you can do that there. Okay, that's enough of the announcements. Let's get into today's show. This episode is with Kat Zidane from Zandra. We're back here at the Alexa conference uh, in wonderful Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I am joined uh, this afternoon by Kat Zidane from Zandra, or Zandra, if you uh, listen to her way of pronouncing it. Apologies to everyone that uh, you're going to have to put up with some Britishisms along the way. Uh, and Kat, what would we uh, know you guys for in the world of voice, maybe? Let's just start there. What's, what's your claim to fame in the voice space? Sure. In 2018, we released two large skills that are well-known. One was Westworld, the Maze, which we did in collaboration with HBO and 360i. And the other was Esme and Roy, which is a Sesame property, um, also with HBO and 360i. So two probably of actually the more well-known story-based skills yes. of 2018, in particular Westworld, which made quite a splash. Correct. Just tell us a little bit about um, that experience, first of all, of, of what that was like to kind of make and maybe just any of the stuff that you learned along the way. Uh, and yeah, what where would one even start with building something like that? Well, the thing about Westworld that was such a boon and was also so intimidating is that the source material is brilliant um, and also huge. I mean, it's a it's Westworld. It's not like yeah. West it's block. It's like infinitely complex just to begin with. Yes. And not only is the narrative of the show complex, but then the meta themes, um, also the world outside of the show. Like, if you think about how much material there is it's mind-boggling um, and that was really ins I mean what an inspiring place to start to where you think I need to make something that is worthy of this property also inspiring and intimidating is the the fandom that comes along with a show like Westworld people who you know not only watch the show but are on reddit threads and you know spend their time their precious yeah, time thinking about it nerdy culture that is hard to understand to you get into the weeds of it, right? Correct. And is just delightfully nerdy, like in the the most wonderful kind of delicious deep dive ways where like you, everybody wishes they could, uh, they had fans that were as hungry for content as this. It's it's just phenomenal. So take us a little bit back in the journey. So Zandra, a multidisciplinary, globally located team, uh, but you guys have come out of all sorts of interesting backgrounds. Yourself, you were an actor and Correct. a voice actor beforehand so mm -hmm. maybe what, what did you learn kind of coming into this field from from those spaces what, what have you taken from that career well what a, okay so uh, yes I worked for 
over a decade as a professional actor and I had no intentions of entering the voice field. Um, and one of the things that was so incredible making this kind of diagonal uh, career leap is how many, just how much overlap there is because um, my area of expertise in theater in general was uh, developing new plays. So working with playwrights as they were writing the piece um, and leading up to a world premiere. So that process of development and refinement and especially theater, um, which is so much about persona and character, narrative, but also um, really refinement of choice of language, economy of language, the, the way that narrative works, what makes a story tick, um, different kinds of narrative structures. So all of that was, uh, you know, a, a master class in like creating games and creating these kinds of interactive experiences. And so I was shocked at how much of my background in the theater was just one-to-one -one comparable with this work that I'm doing now. Let, let's take a little look into that. So one of the big paradigms that many people have to wrestle with when they start getting started in voice is particularly the limitations, as you mentioned, on voice content, on audio content. You're building a skill, you've got only, well, it used to be 90 seconds, it's now like 240 seconds or somewhere in between to play with, which, yeah, I think we're all thankful that that's gotten bigger. But economy of language, you use yes. that phrase, is a really interesting term. Just talk to us maybe a little bit about what it's like to try and be selective with voice sure. when building these experiences. You, know, you can't just go on forever. What, what's that like? What, where do you kind of For see For me, that has been one of the biggest learning curves, or shall I say, one of my largest opportunities for learning, uh, because I love words. I, you know, I'm, I just love language, and I tend to be rather loquacious. I'm not super succinct, but when you're doing a voice experience, um, you need to get the user all of the information they need and no more, um, because you don't want to overload them, you don't want to overwhelm them, you don't want to bore them, and um, I like to think also another term I use in, in instead of economy of language sometimes is elegance. Like, what is the most? How elegant can you be? Can you craft a turn of phrase that you know one sentence in, in place of five that just nails it, that has that kind of golden moment, and that is the hardest thing. Like, I can come up with, I can come up with ideas all day. I can write you pages and pages of stuff all day, but really that refinement and that um, attention to detail and that economy and refining to that perfect, elegant nugget is like, ugh, that's the thing. So Kat, your background was in uh, acting, in voice acting. You've cast a lot of voices, you've been a lot of voices. Why is using original audio when developing these experiences that are very technical in their nature, why is that important? What does it add? What does it bring to the experience? Where should we be using it? It, it brings so much to the experience. First of all, um, from a brand perspective, if you're using a voice platform as an extension of your brand, you want to have your own voice for your brand. So in, unless the voice of your brand is Alexa, you probably don't want Alexa's voice speaking for your brand. Um, the other is that there are some poly voices that have, um, you know, different accents or regionalisms than Alexa, but none of them sound reliably like a human. There is, like I said, this uncanny valley that has yet to be uh, bridged um, when it comes to generating human speech because there is cadence and speed and pronunciation, but there's also personality. This brings me to the next thing, which is when you're working with a, uh, a TTS font, um, you can't, you can use word choice to do 
note character, like someone might say, good afternoon, rather than what's up. But um, you can't uh, you can't really put expression or soul behind those uh, utterances. And so um, it's so you have so much control, so much more control and so much more humanity. This sounds dumb. You have so much more humanity when you're using a human voice and you can get emotion and expression and connection in a way. The only thing, the only big downside is that um, if you record a human actor is that if you update your content, if you change your content, you have to get that human actor back in the booth. That's right. It's the dynamic element of it. And I think there's also a question for many people and the thing that a lot of folks are wrestling with right now is that, well, once I've picked a voice, how quickly does that voice become synonymous with my brand? And what if I want to change that at some point or other? So maybe if you're thinking about, you know, obviously for a lot of the work that you guys have done um, through the relationships you've had with HBO and the, the work that the team at Earplay have done and other uh, those tend to be kind of uh, narrative experiences that inhabit the voices of a, a set of characters that we all know and love mm-hmm. that aren't changing. But if you're a consumer brand or you're a business and you're trying to cast a voice, maybe what are some of the things that people should be thinking about? What would your tips be? You know what that makes me think of immediately is I think of TV commercials and I think of Flo, who's been the face of progressive auto insurance for like 10 years. She's this quirky lady and um, they've done dozens of commercials with her, but it's like you see flow you know it's a progressive commercial kind of like the geico for gecko i mean reverse that the gecko for geico um and in terms of it just it becomes an extension of your brand the same way that a um like the netflix sound or the hbo sound it just becomes um something that a user can grasp onto as soon as they hear it a familiarity that they connect with and it also gives um listeners and users the opportunity to become familiar um, to, yeah, to kind of get to know you and for that to feel like, oh, yeah, feel that comfort and that um, uh, familiarity. So we want to help some people along the way. So if you're... If you were going out to cast a voice for a brand mm-hmm. right now, what are some of the things that you might consider in that brief, uh, in the in the voices that you select? Sure. Well, I would need to know who are their users, um, what kind of an experience are they are, are they looking to create. So, um, if this is you know if their users are kids and they're looking to to create a soothing thing, you would want a very different voice than if their users are males, eighteen to twenty five, um, who are looking to like have an adventure so um, just uh, and you can go in different directions sometimes you want to cast a voice that sounds like they could be your target demographic but sometimes um, you just want to cast a voice that that target demographic would enjoy for example I have this is not a real person but for Siri on my phone um, I my Siri is a British male because that makes me so happy to hear him speaking back to me very happy to Yes. Uh, <laughs> Set a timer for 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just really deep thought um, and mindfulness and consideration about what's the intention? Yeah. What, what are you, how is it that you're trying to connect with those users? And then um, it's interesting because from a casting perspective, you'd be surprised how often people who have maybe never cast any voiceover, you'll just play some samples for them and they'll go, nope, nope. Oh, yeah, I love that one. Right. 
yeah, they just they, it just resonates. Literally yeah. resonates with them. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So talk to us a little bit more about some of the design of these story-based experiences, because that's where I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of potential that particularly people who are in media, entertainment, news media, you know, we're seeing so many new formats generated around this space. Uh, you know, these interactive stories, choose your own adventures, uh, quote unquote, obviously licensed mm-hmm. product there as uh, the Netflix folks uh, noted all too well this uh-huh. week with the band snatch that's going on. But you know, talk to me a little bit about where you see the, the evolution perhaps of that format. Where are you going to see more of these immersive experiences? Of choose your own adventure specifically? That or storytelling in general. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the opportunity for these platforms that is different from a radio play or different from a straight television show? Sure. What do, what do they do um, in terms of creating narrative and story and character that you can't do on other media? Right, right, right. So I think the first place my brain goes to and I think the thing that's most compelling is that um, when you're creating something that is interactive, what you are doing is, if you're writing it well, you're giving the user the opportunity to um, make moral decisions and shape the um, the kind of moral world of the narrative. So, in terms of choose your own adventure gameplay, um, a bad choose your own adventure provides the user with a pseudo choice. So, for example, that would be like if uh, there was an interaction and then your choices were was that great or awesome, and you're thinking it was neither. You know, but um, a really giving users a really meaningful choice that then going forward has actual consequences, real consequences. Yeah. To the story, to either the story and what is happening to the characters, or um, perhaps there's a, a flow where the story ends up in the same place, but the way you get there and how your yourself or the character feels about what has come before has been deeply impacted by what the user, yeah. how they input it. Because it's not just about the joy of those branching narratives and discovering like little yeah. hidden Easter eggs. It's about actually feeling you're in control of that narrative. Right? Yes, and just a branching narrative is actually quite a shallow delight that evaporates pretty quickly. Yeah, once you've done it once, you've kind of seen all the options. Yeah, once you get once you get past the novelty of like, neat, I get to make a choice. If the choices aren't truly meaningful, if they're not, yeah, if they're pseudo choices, or if you start to feel manipulated, if you start to understand that there's a right choice or a wrong choice, or you start to realize, it doesn't matter what I choose, the writer's going to take me where the writer wants to take me. Um, that's the, the, That would be choose your own adventure done poorly. But just the, one of the things um, that is, and anyone who's been in gaming for a while knows this. That you, you like, it, it is like, what what you're creating with interactive narratives is you're creating a playground, uh, or I should say, a sandbox for decision making, because you can be curious and make choices in a way that you can't in your everyday life because um, the stakes are higher. So um, I think about one of my very favorite video gaming experiences I've ever had. I was really invested in making choices for the character that were in line with my own moral choices. But I've talked to other people that were like, oh no, I was so, it was such a relief to get to make the kinds of choices I wouldn't have made. One of the things that we're focusing on at Voice Summit this year is really trying to increase the diversity of people that come and share the diversity, both in terms of backgrounds, but also in terms of gender balance and things like that. And I think one of the unique things I find about the voice industry is that there seems to be a much more even balance of gender being represented both in the background of the industry itself than other parts of the tech industry overall. Am I seeing that through some male bias or do you feel that there is you know, kind of more 
diversity in the space right now? Well, this is the only sector of tech I've ever worked in. Right. So I don't have a huge, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, I will say out of our company of six, uh, four are women. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, in terms of, in terms of uh, ta- I, talent and everything, there are, you know, within uh, what I do in the theater, there, you know, there's a pretty, there's not equality in terms of leadership, but in terms of uh, talent, yeah, you know, there's just as many men as women, well, not roles, but men and women clamoring for roles. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know what, I'm not sure. Cause like, yeah, I'm just a sample of, of one. I've worked with some incredible women already in this industry. Um, and a lot of the uh, kind of thought leaders in the industry, um, you know, Kathy Pearl, um, a lot of uh, Margaret Urban, who are both of them are at Google right now. There's a lot of really inspiring women in the space for sure. There is no lack of uh, lack of inspiration. Yeah. As we go towards uh, summit in July, we're obviously here still in January, still in the cold, although not quite so cold <laughs> down here in in Tennessee. But um, certainly when we get back to Newark, we're hoping the sunshine will be will be upon us. What are you excited to see happen in the next six months? Where do you think we're going to see some progression Ooh. in this space? Um, I am really excited to see a maturation of the standards in general across the board. So I'm excited to see more um, custom voiceover. I'm excited to see more refinement of the kinds of experiences we're having. I'm excited to see deeper thought and more human-centered design in the applications. So um, I think we're coming to the place where we can really start to ditch the novelty of the form itself and really uh, get deeper into um, great, it's possible. Now, what are its best applications? Yeah, standalone quality, right? Absolutely. And I'm excited. I mean, like, I'm excited to see companies coming up doing stuff that we haven't even imagined. Um, and that seems so bizarro and out of the box. I just, like, and it, we could be that company. We have so many. We have no shortage of weird and amazing ideas. I'm excited for things to start to get weird. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to, to wrap that up, get excited yeah. for things to go with. Kat, if people want to connect with you uh, online, find you, where can they do that? Sure. Um, uh, I have kind of a boring online presence, but uh, Xandra.com, X-A-N-D-R-A.com is our website. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to see pictures of my dog, you can follow me at Instagram, and that's cat underscore Zidane. Cool. Okay. Well, I'm sure that we'll be uh, checking out the dog pics, as well as also <laughs> finding out cute. some of those more interactive experiences. And we'll see you at Voice Summit in July in Newark, we hope. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks so much to Kat Zidane from Zandra there. If you want to find out more about Zandra, you can do that. Just head over to Zandra.com. That's X-A-N-D-R-A.com. And you can find Kat on all the good social media, as she says. But you can most of all meet her in person at Voice Summit this July in Newark. We are open now for registrations for talks. If you want to submit an idea for a workshop, for a keynote or anything else, you can do that over at VoiceSummit.ai. And if you are interested in sponsoring, there are still a few 
sponsor packages left, so it is the time now to get into the exhibition hall or to come on as one of our major sponsors. So if you want to do that, you can find out all the information at voicesummit.ai or connect with one of the team. You can find myself at James Poulter on all good social media, or you can find the host of the, well, my co-host of the podcast, yeah, he's not here today, uh, Pete Erickson over at, at Pete Erickson, that's uh, Erickson with a K, over on social media. Do that and you can help yourself get over to Newark for this year's Voice Summit. VoiceSummit.ai is the place to go and we look forward to seeing you in Newark or if not, back on the podcast next week. That's it for now from Inside Voice. I've been your host, James Pulser. Thank you.